Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And the rising cost of everything seems to be the topic. Most people, you can even if you're overhearing conversations when you're out and about, lots of people are just worried about where we're going with the rising cost of inflation and with wages not going up, social welfare not going up. People are really starting to struggle and thinking, how are they going to afford to put food on the table, pay to keep the electricity on or pay for heating and when we go into uh, winter months? Well, the government reading in today's paper says rejected calls for between 15 and 20 euro a week increase in social welfare payments and that's been called for to offset the cost of living crisis uh, claiming they say the exchequer simply couldn't afford it. Now this call for between 50 and 20 euro increases come from the Society of St Vincent de Paul and they say that the increase is needed. Now they're calling for this increase now. They're saying it's needed just to keep people standing still in face of high inflation and spiralling costs. The government of course has repeatedly ruled out any kind of emergency measures prior to what they're putting in place at the moment which is the budget which is not going to take place until next October. Now yesterday we spoke about the Economic and Social Research Institute the ESRI who are a government think tank. We discussed their report. Their report yesterday was showing fuel poverty is at its highest rate since the mid-1990s. And the report that we spoke about yesterday, they also recommended some kind of an extra double social welfare payment. They're saying, similar to what happens at Christmas with the Christmas bonus payment, they're saying a payment like that should be made now or in the coming uh, weeks. But the societies of Vincent de Paul now are getting involved in this because they say increases to household incomes must go ahead of inflation. And they pointed out that, you know, social welfare rates were frozen for two years and then there was a five euro increase uh, came in in last year's uh, budget. So, you know, even people in social welfare are being pushed well, well out of having enough money to survive because of the way inflation is increasing. So Vincent de Paul are saying they're getting over 78,000 calls. That's how many calls they've received this year. And when they compare that to previous years at about this time of the year, they say it's up uh, about 20 percent. Vincent de Paul are saying demands for significant increases to social welfare payments will reflect the reality of the situation and are needed to prevent even more families being pushed into poverty. Now, government sources, though, cast doubt on whether such a high welfare increase would simply be affordable by the Exchequer. I mean, one high-level Cabinet Minister quoted in the papers today as uh, actually saying, he said, look, I'm not saying what St Vincent de Paul are saying is wrong, but he said, if you were to give a €20 increase a week to everyone on a social welfare payment, that would work out at about €3 billion a year. And he says they simply can't afford it. The Minister said that one-off measures might be the safest way to do it. 
because he says it would be worse to provide an increase in social welfare and then to have to take it back when the government or future government discovers this is simply unaffordable. So Vincent de Paul is already getting calls from parents around going back to school and going back to school obviously is traditionally a time when pressure ramps up on any household finance that has children attending school. But it does seem shocking that you've got parents bearing in mind the primary school are they due to break up next week so we already have children still in school and yet we have parents worried as we are in the middle of June they're already worried about what's going to happen next September and they're doing their bit to try to budget and try to work out how much they're going to need for back to school costs and of course when they simply realise they don't have enough money coming in to cover the cost of back to school next September that's when they're reaching out to the Society of St Vincent uh, de Paul who say the real standout they're seeing this year are from people uh, from, from people contacting them is the level of debt that some people are reporting and they, so Vincent de Paul is saying that there are people reaching out to their local Vincent de Paul uh, group for the first time ever people who are just getting by and are struggling and realise that they're not going to be able to afford back to school uh, costs and they're reaching out to the Society of Vincent de Paul for the first time ever. Now the ESRI report highlighted how almost 3 in 10 that's about 29% of households are already in energy poverty and that's why yesterday they were suggesting this extra double social welfare payment and do it as a as a one-off payment and he said that's a way of providing direct support to householders who are most affected by the energy inflation. So Vincent de Paul are calling for a very progressive budget this year and they want measures that kick in immediately for households rather than making the announcement the budget gets read out in October and usually then what happens is most of the increases that are, are announced where they're going to be, it's going to be an extra payment for people that normally doesn't kick in until 2023. Now seemingly the Thornish day yesterday also confirmed that that should be the case and he said one thing we're actually looking at now is to see what measures we could implement right away so that people wouldn't have to wait until January for all of them to come in because typically it isn't even January I mean if my memory serves me right most of the social welfare additional payments that get announced in October it's normally around St Patrick's Day or the weekend of St Patrick's Day that those increases come in because I know from the minute the budget is read out the following day on the programme we'll start getting calls in saying when are we going to if it's if it's a five euro extra um, the old age pension or a five euro for job seekers or a five euro for disability allowance we'll have calls in saying when is that going to be paid out and when we look into it it's always the following year but sometimes it can be as late as March it isn't always the first of January and in the doll yesterday the very touchy exchanges which we're going to be talking about with one of our political correspondents in a couple of minutes this very touchy exchange between between the Tánis de Leo Varadkar and Sinn Féin's Piers Doherty. And part of that tetchy exchanged stage, Piers Doherty called on the government to bring in an emergency budget. Do it now, do it before October. Piers Doherty said that the current measures are simply not sustainable, but both Leo Varadkar and the Taoiseach Micheál Martin have both separately ruled out an emergency budget 
saying that measures to tackle cost of living crisis will be outlined in October. Micheál Martin did say that the ESRI's report yesterday will feed into the budget deliberations and they will have further engagement with the ESRI before they actually put the uh, final wording together on the budget. Leo Varadkar said the government isn't ruling out, though, introducing measures to help struggling families before the budget in October but a comprehensive set of supports will not be rolled out until the October uh, budget. Now that's the first time that Leo Varadkar has indicated that it does look like he's certainly thinking that something's going to have to be done before October because whenever we mention any kind of increases that the government's talking about and the government's promises everything is is towards the October budget everybody says that's too far away we need the money now we're struggling now to put food on the table we're struggling now to pay electricity uh, bills and Leo Varadkar and Micheál Martin and all of the government constantly they've certainly ruled out having a mini budget because in order to put an increase into social welfare they'd have to have a mini budget they've certainly ruled that out but they've also up to now I think up to that comment from Leo Varadkar yesterday they've always sort of said no the next help we're going to give is going to get announced in the budget. So it was good to hear that from Leo Varadkar that he says what he hasn't given a firm indication of what he's thinking or if he's been speaking with his other coalition leaders and parties or not. But he just said yesterday he isn't ruling out introducing measures that would help struggling families. What those measures will be, only time will tell. Now both Leo Varadkar and Piers Doherty clashed in a deeply personal war of words in the Dáil. In what he has called the brawl in the Dáil I'm joined by Adam Higgins political correspondent with the Irish Sun and newspaper. Good morning to you Adam. Uh, the brawl in the Dáil filled with cheap shots and personal attacks in the, in the chamber yesterday. Okay, now it was Piers Doherty who kicked it off, wasn't it? This was a dig over an event to celebrate 10 years in power by Fine Gael. That's right. Earlier this week, the Taunashta held a dinner in um, Dáil Éireann for former members and current senior Fine Gael uh, ministers to celebrate their 10 years in government at the moment. And Pierce Doherty kind of used this as an opportunity to attack the party, saying that they're celebrating 10 years while people are still queuing up for food banks and the cost of living crisis is really biting. And he was bringing up this on the back of uh, a report yesterday, which showed that one third of households um, are at risk of falling behind on their energy bills because of the price of them at the moment. So that's how it all kicked off. But very quickly, Leo Varadkar kind of flew back in a, in a bit of a rage and something that I know surprised many of the, the reporters in Leinster House and he responded by slamming Sinn Féin as a hypocritical party, bringing up they had a, a $1,000 a plate dinner fundraiser in the US before Christmas. So he brought this up and said Mary Lou MacDonald had flown first class to this event and that they, the party was one of the richest parties in Ireland because of the donations they had gotten and all of these sort of situations where he said that the party was hypocritical and it only really got worse from there. Yeah, and he mentioned some man who left, um, there was a gentleman who was a recluse who left four million, wasn't it, to the Sinn Féin party? He mentioned him as well. He did, and in kind of strange language said uh, that the the party was being funded by vagabonds in caravans, which I know has got a lot of criticism online over the past day. And then it went on then to get a little bit more personal because in response to that, Pierce Doherty then brought up the the Garda investigation into the Tarnished's leaking of that GP contract, which we know that that file has gone to the DPP and is awaiting their 
their decision on whether to press charges or what, what to do next with that. So he brought this up uh, against the Tanishta, and the Tanishta again flew back in a rage, bringing up uh, Pierce Doherty was arrested um, over 20 years ago now, it must be about 25 years ago now. He was arrested as a 21-year-old alongside uh, a few other Sinn Féin activists for an incident that happened in Dublin. And the Tanishta kind of brought this up saying, you were arrested, you were prosecuted, I haven't been prosecuted. And he said, you went to court. And he started then getting deeper into Sinn Féin, saying that the party was filled with criminals and this sort of thing. So it was a, a very personal and bitter attack between the two. What was the reaction like by the other Dáil members? I thought um, um, Michael McGrath was the closest person I could see sitting next to Leo Riker. I thought he looked really uncomfortable throughout it all. Mm. I think most people not involved in those two parties would have been uncomfortable. There was a lot of, you know, jeering and shouting from the Sinn Féin benches, a lot of back clapping from the Fine Gael benches. And I think this is something that we kind of saw a little bit in the run up to the last election. People were kind of thought that the election had become this two horse race between Fine Gael and Sinn Féin. And they were kind of, you know, cutting deep at each other. And that kind of drifted away then when the polls showed that Fianna Fáil were still in the race and that sort of thing. But I think coming into the next election and over the next two years, you're going to see more and more of these attacks. And you'll see on the front page of The Independent today, our colleagues have a, a, a good exclusive showing that Fianna Gael have briefed their TDs on a kind of a, a, a dossier of why Sinn Féin are hypocritical and, and accusations that they should make in response to any questions about Sinn Féin. So this is something that clearly is a party political strategy against Sinn Féin to try and knock them down in the polls and win some support back from Fine Gael. Now, whether that will work, I think, is a, is a, a tricky question because Fine Gael at the moment are you know suffering in the polls behind Sinn Féin, behind Fianna Fáil. And I think what you're going to see is they're going to get a bit more desperate trying to take them votes back off Sinn Féin. But really, I don't think it's this attack, you know, punch and duty politics that people want to see. People want to see action on things like housing and cost of living. And if Fine Gael are going to rely on these attacks against Sinn Féin to win back some voters, I think they're going to struggle. But yeah, and of course, what I think is rattling all of the other parties is the fact that opinion poll after opinion poll after opinion poll, it's like Sinn Féin can do no wrong. Yes, you're right. Yeah, and I think for Sinn Féin, it's kind of really just keep doing more of the same. As long as the housing situation and the cost of living situation doesn't dramatically improve under this government's reign, then I think Sinn Féin will be hot favourites to take uh, take the lead in government next year, next time around. But from Sinn Féin's point of view, these attacks, I think, only really serve the Fine Gael voters. I mean, the people that the Tarnishta is winning over here and getting claps on the back from are people who would probably already vote for Fine Gael. And I don't know if he's really going to win over, you know, middle ground voters who are, you know, floating freely between uh, the parties. I don't think he's going to win them over by these kind of bitter personal attacks. I think it, it, it goes against what Dal Aaron is really about and and it kind of qu- raises questions about the Tanishta and his party's um, aims in, in government. Yeah, and what, we're about two and a half years. Are we out from an election? It's going to be a long two and a half years yeah. if we're seeing these sort of spats already, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I can see a lot of our listeners, I have to say, were disgusted by it and thought, you know, with everything else that's going on in the country with the cost of living, that the last thing they wanted to see was this, was this spat between the two of them. And I'd be inclined to agree with them. I mean, you see the situation uh, 
of, of housing in particular, say, for example, it hasn't really gone any better under this government. Despite the Housing for All plan, despite all, despite all these efforts, we still have over 10,000 people homeless. We still have house prices continuing to skyrocket, rent prices continuing to skyrocket. And it doesn't seem like this Housing for All plan is making any difference yet. And then you have that compounded by the cost of living crisis, rents and our, our electricity prices and gas going through the roof, petrol prices, which I know all your listeners will see when they go by the forecourts every day. I mean, this is a difficult, difficult situation for, for the government and for the people of Ireland at the moment. And, and I think your listeners are right. This is not what we want to see from our politicians, you yeah. know, cutting strips off each other in the door. Really, I should be debating the issues and finding solutions. OK, I think we're going to be talking with you a lot more about similar spats going forward, Adam. But in the meantime, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thanks very much. Good morning to you. That is Adam Higgins, who is the political correspondent with The Sun. Just to give you a sample of some of the texts and calls uh, coming in. Patricia, the brawl in the doll was disgusting. Leo, I felt, was like a petulant child. He should remember Piers Doherty was elected by people who do get up early and go to work. I felt that Leo Varadkar did himself no favours yesterday. Some of your calls in Glen in Butterfield said, how much are all of the TDs in the Dáil receiving in uh, by way of their salary? And there, there they were yesterday fighting um, like t- like school children, cut their money back and see how they would react. We'd have a very different country then. Seamus in Middleton says it was so petty between Pierre Starty and Leo Radker yesterday evening. We are all struggling to fill our cars and pay our bills. And these two are having a fight in the doll. They both need to get into the real world. Tommy in Bandon says doesn't yesterday show show that they're all the same in Dáil Éireann, Sinn Féin and Fianna Gael fighting over mindless issues as we suffer due to inflation. Why are they not all working together on the issue rather than personal attacks? I felt it was disgraceful yesterday. Judy and Skibbereen disappointed in Sinn Féin. I thought they were better than this. But again, it's like Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil in the 90s fighting no difference. Personal attacks and so many people finding it tough at the moment. Danny on Twitter to at C103 Cork. Leo Varadkar, the government minister, refuses to answer questions regarding the crisis people are facing. And instead, what does he do? He attacks the person answering the question. Barry on the north side of Cork City says the public voted in this government. So the next time there is an election, if the public want to change, then they need to vote for other parties. Since the formation of the state, Sinn Féin has not ran the country. So give them a chance and see how they will do. And Pat Infomoy says on the poverty trap, can they not increase the minimum wage and increase it by, say, 20 euros a week and stop all the Mickey Mouse handouts? Surely that would solve a lot. And just quickly going to over to your uh, WhatsApps. Hi, uh, Patricia Sinn Féin are brilliant hurlers on the fence, says Michael. Hurlers on the fence are always the best team, but they're never on the field. When you're in opposition, it's very easy to be reckless beyond common sense. The flurry of exchanges in Dáil Éireann yesterday were disgraceful. Piers Doherty should be ashamed of the of the nasty streak that he has. I would also question the integrity of any TD holding a seat in the Houses of the Rockless who mistreated a member from Garda Síochána being arrested, charged and found guilty. God help the Garda Síochána if he ever got his hands on the justice brief. 
there will be some explosive stuff coming out before the next election. Yeah, and I think that was the point I finished up with with Adam. We're two and a half years out from an election and is this what we can expect to see going forward, particularly when you look at the Irish Independent today and that uh, story that Adam referenced. They they claim that Fianna Gael have a secret 18-page dossier which lays out its plans for attacks against Sinn Féin between now and the next election. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And keep your comments and texts coming. I will get back to them, but I want to move on because residents in the village of Kerry Pike and its environs held two demonstrations this week to highlight concerns about speeding in the area, which they say has got progressively worse. Jim O'Mahony is chairman of the Clahine Kerry Pike Community Association and he joins me to explain what is going on in his area. Good morning to you, Jim. Uh, good morning, and you, uh, good morning, everyone. And you're welcome. Now, what is the speed limit in the area and what types of excessive speed are you seeing? Okay, I suppose there are two different speed uh, limits in the area, Patricia. There's in Clahine to 60 kilometres an hour and then when you go into the village of Kerry Pike, it's 50 kilometres an hour. Um, I suppose this speeding, it has been an issue in the area for a long time. It, I suppose with COVID and people working from home, and rest, it, it kind of, I want to become less of a problem, I suppose the best way to describe it. Uh, but since people started coming back to work, uh, it has been very noticeable, particularly in the mornings. I think a lot of people might be, I suppose, like everyone was maybe running a bit late for, for work and are a bit distracted and trying to get in there on time. So, um, we it, we had a, a recent AGM and it was one of the major topics of our AGM that uh, traffic speeding through the village was uh, a, a big concern to people. Uh, so we held a public meeting after that on the, the end of May and it was agreed look, that we would try to organise a couple of demonstrations to, I suppose, increase the awareness of drivers that this is a residential area and people need to slow down. Yeah, and even though, as you say, people are under pressure and if they're running late and they're trying to get to work and uh, they're trying to get in in on time, that is the message to people. You are driving through what is a residential area. This is not a race course. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, it's like Kerry Pike is, is I, I'm not sure how often over, there's a lot of roads in Kerry Pike. It, it quite often is kind of seen as the Northern Ring Road. Yeah. If someone is coming from Ballancolic to Mallow, they'll go through either Tahine or Kerry Pike to get there. Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of, I suppose, true traffic. The roads are quite narrow. Uh, we're lacking footpaths. You know, we're, I suppose, advocating with the city councils for better roads and, and, and better footpaths or footpaths for linking both sides of the village. But we felt that the last meeting, this was something we could do something about ourselves. So we decided to organise this, this protest. Uh, in a way, we're probably picking backing on our neighbours over in Killard, which who did something similar about two, two or they three did. years ago, yeah. and it was very successful. And yeah. I suppose we decided, look, let's let's we try to do the same and see how it works. So, yeah, let's draw let's know. draw attention to what's going on because exactly. I, I'm assuming, Jim, if you speak to some of the older residents, people who've perhaps lived in the area 50, 60 uh, years, 
it was it was would have been very different when they say we're growing up because we've got there's increased traffic levels, isn't there, because of housing developments? Oh, oh, oh huge, yeah, huge amount of housing developments that within Kerry Pike, um, and also and the we say the the environments further further west and further north, like out around Tower, and most of that traffic coming into the city comes in through Kerry Pike and down to, down to Healy's Bridge or straight into town and in, in, into through Shaheen. And like in, in Kerry Pike itself, I mean, I suppose, if you go back to 2015, you know, the, there was 174 houses in Kerry Pike and the local area plan said there shouldn't be any more than 30 houses built over the next 10 years. Um, since then, there have actually been 183 houses built since 20, I suppose, probably about, occupied probably since about 2018. Uh, there's another 44 under construction and there's planning permission for another 185 houses in the planning process. So a village of 174 has already been doubled mm. and there'll be another probably 200 houses built. And all of those houses are putting extra, most of those houses will probably put two extra cars well, onto well, the road. Probably two. Yeah. Probably two. And I suppose that's the other, the, the other matter then is there's no bus service to carry bikes. Ah. You know? So everybody, as you say, nearly has to have two cars. Yeah. You know, there's no proper, I suppose, uh, retail if you you have to do your groceries or your messages, you have to drive the tower or drive to Blarney or drive into Ballon Colleague. Uh, so two cars is nearly a necessity for somebody living in our area. And, and would I be right in saying, I mean, the busiest times is probably rush hours at morning and evening time. Yeah. You'll see yeah, a huge more, increase in traffic. Yeah, morning so more than the evening. I think evening seems a bit more staggered, but certainly in the morning from probably quarter to eight until five past or ten past nine. After that, no, it's still busy. Mm. But they are the peak times. So that's the... That's the reason we held the, the two demonstrations this week uh, on the, you know, we start around quarter to eight and we, and, and, and we finish around nine o'clock or five to nine. And look, we probably have to do the same again in, in September and October, uh, but we just wanted to get one done, you know, before the schools close, because once the schools close, traffic does and people go on holidays, traffic does uh, quieten a little bit. But I think keep the awareness up that you are, as you mentioned there, coming into a residential area and just request drivers to think down. about what they're doing. And even and, if and they just stick to what what are the the speed limits for the areas, that in itself yes. would help. Oh, it would. It would, absolutely. Absolutely. And I saw you know, I saw pictures in, I think it was in the Echo, of. I mean, you had your children standing there with signs saying, you know, slow, please. I mean... Did you notice drivers slowing down when they saw your demonstration? Absolutely. Did Absolutely. you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I would say 99% of drivers slowed down once they saw the signs and once they knew what was going on. You know, so uh, it certainly helped. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot more work needs to be done uh, to try and, I suppose, you know, keep the keep it in focus that you are coming into residential areas. Okay, so we, talk, we will to, be put, talk to yeah, me then about the city. You're under the city council, aren't you? We're, we're yeah. under the city council since 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. you were under the county and then when the That's boundaries right. changed. Um, yeah. Traffic calming measures, can anything like that be considered? Yeah, well, well, we, we have been we have been liaising with the city council on that. In fairness, they did put in one uh, pedestrian crossing in the village uh, beside the school, which was very badly needed. So in our recent uh, submissions for any of these planning uh, applications, we have asked for additional traffic calming measures to be put in place uh, outside any of these uh, residential uh, developments and, uh, as I say, a footpath linking both sides of the village. So 
it's something look that we we we're continuing to advocate for and and press uh, with the city council. And in fairness, a lot of our local councillors have been very supportive of us. You know, we had we had three of them actually both mornings uh, during the or both yesterday morning and the uh, Wednesday morning. You know, out with us. So you know, we are getting good support from our local councillors, which is something you know. Go back to where we were three years ago when we were within the county, like, unfortunately, we were tied up with Dan Meyer and Coles. But, if, you know, like, there was no way a councillor was going to come from Coles to drive to Kerry Pike, whatever, 35 miles away, yeah, like yeah. 30 miles away, where, as far as they'd be concerned, there wasn't probably enough roads either, you know, with them being called a spade a spade. So, coming into the city has made a difference to us. I think we have a good relationship now with the city council and we're continuing good, yeah. to advocate with them. You That's know. good to hear. What about, you know, those speed cameras that show people what speed they're doing? Yes, yeah, we have we have a number of them around. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's two in the village. There's one in, one in, one in uh, beside the church in Slaheen. Um, the problem with them, sometimes are the, the batteries are being stolen and, uh, you know, they, they, they work and, uh, and then the batteries are stolen, they have to be replaced. Um, I think that's a, that's a national problem. That's an ongoing issue, yeah. yeah, yeah. But at but least it does, you, you, as residents, you can actually see the speed that some, some cars are doing. Yeah. It can be and, quite and frightening. Yeah, yeah, it does help. But certainly, like, for, for, for most people, it does help. There'll yeah. always be the exception of people who just say, I'm in a hurry and I need to get through here as fast as I can, you know. Uh, and But if we can minimise those, uh, those number of people, or minimise that, uh, type of driver uh, it would be great you know? Okay just the message if you're going yes. through Claheen Kerry Pike please it's a residential area yeah. just bear that in mind Alright uh, Jim good luck with the campaign Just, just, yeah, just one, 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 one last thing to you on. I heard you mentioned about the Cox Summer Show uh, yeah. earlier on we have our own barbecue in Kerry Pike tomorrow night Do you? The of the summer, summer show, okay. uh, which, which we weren't able to hold for three years so again we'd be delighted people can, can come out and, and down to our community uh, barbecue in Bellicannon Park And it's it's open to everyone it's not just it's residents Open to everyone Is yeah, it? Okay Alright yeah, yeah, Well yeah. let's hope that it stays dry for you for that Yeah I think the fork is not too bad It is No no it's good yeah. It's good okay. Alright listen Thanks a million Okay bye 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 Jim O'Mahony there Chairman of the Claheen Kerry Pike Community Association they were out on the roads early two days this week just asking people to please slow down it is very much a residential area you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed reminded that we're bringing all the festival headliners to your back garden this year because the C103's Back Garden Festival is now streaming exclusively online with Harvey Norman and JBL your specialist in sound this summer you can listen in on our app or you can go to c103.ie and thank you to Donny who was sent in a text asking if I'd give a mention to the Charleville Fire Brigade they're holding a car wash in the town park in Charleville tomorrow Saturday from 11 in the morning until 3 in the afternoon and all the proceeds rates will go to the Holy Family School in Charleville so if you need to get your car washed can you please head to the town park in Charleville tomorrow and good luck to everybody involved in Charleville Fire Brigade for getting involved in that fundraiser talking about cost of living and things going up and we've been asking you and we continue to ask you right throughout the summer if you come across something that that you really think is very uh, very high price if you think you've been price gouging going on but likewise if you also get good value for money let us know that uh, as well a listener was on to say Patricia I had breakfast in Cahir Sivine two rashers 
2 euro 50 2 sausages 2 euro 50 2 fried eggs 3 euro 50 why are the eggs so expensive 2 slices of toast 2 euro and I asked for a cup of tea to wash it down that was another 250 porridge was 6 euro I won't be going back there again so 250 250 350 2 euro for the toast and 250 for the for the tea to go with the cooked breakfast 13 euro that seems very very expensive doesn't it and i i don't like that i can't you know when you go into airports are famous for it when you're when you're building your breakfast and they charge per item it always annoys me i don't know why i prefer to have a fixed price for what i'm getting but this build your own breakfast it kind of really does uh, frustrate me. I don't, I don't know why. Maybe maybe it's just me. OK, back to the brawl in the doll. Uh, yesterday, Patricia, it's like players starting to fight when they're losing a game, says uh, a, a listener. John in Carrigaline says, Patricia, the carry on in the doll yesterday. Wouldn't you be proud to be voting for any of those parties that was involved? It's time to get rid of them. When will people start to smell the heather? I've heard of smell the roses and smell the coffee. Smell the heather is a new one on me from John in Carrigaline. Uh, we have a lot to answer for ourselves for voting all those people into uh, government. Someone else says, Patricia, it's time to take to the streets. We need an election and we need to protest against the cost of living. This country is sinking fast with the government. Well, there is. We spoke about it earlier in the week. There is a protest in Cork City tomorrow. Kicking off, isn't it, at the Grand Parade? Two o'clock tomorrow afternoon. And that's against the cost of living. And there's other similar protests and demonstrations been held around the country. We'll wait and see tomorrow how many people turn up to those because there's a lot of people saying we need to take to the streets. Now something has been organised. Let's wait and see how many people will actually uh, turn out. Uh, Barry says, watching what happened in the Dáil yesterday, it's a, like a war is uh, going on. At the end of the day, the public put the government in place, but at the end of the day, it's the public can also get rid of them. Barry suggests that Sinn Féin should go into power and let's see what a difference, if they would be able to make any kind of a difference. And says, hi Patricia, that was disgraceful yesterday in the Dáil. We're all suffering from a recession. Their pensions should be reduced and they should be made to live in the real world like the rest of us that is from Anne Ed says Patricia I can see it now the brawl in the doll Leo versus Pierce live on Sky Box Office book now for only €14.99 that's from Ed in uh, Dunham thanks for that Ed and someone else is saying uh, Patricia I was surprised to find out that Sinn Féin are the biggest party who have the most landlords and they are the ones who are mainly criticising the housing situation. I, you know, I don't know about how many landlords they have. I did read, read a piece from the Times that Sinn Féin is the richest political party on the island of Ireland. They have a staff of uh, 200. They also have an extensive network of more than uh, 50 uh, properties. They have their four headquarter buildings in Dublin and in Belfast, but then at local branch level, they have a further 50 uh, properties that they use as uh, constituency offices. And there's no other party on the island that is anything approaching a property portfolio of the size, or there's no other political parties cash rich like Sinn Féin. So they certainly are financially uh, preparing for the next uh, election. And then on everything that's going on with the cost of living and somebody earlier was talking about when I mentioned at the start of the programme that the Society of St Vincent de Paul who are now seeing a 20% increase 
in the amount of calls that they're receiving to their helpline and they're saying that people who have never, ever before struggled, never would never contemplate calling the Society of St Vincent de Paul. They're now reaching out saying that they need help. And what often happens then, you'll find people who in the past had contributed when they could afford to give money to St Vincent de Paul are now finding that they have to go cap in hand to say we need help. And that's what St Vincent de Paul, by the way, is all about. Please never feel embarrassed about going and reaching out for help because I always say to people, you may need help today and please God, next year you won't need help and then you'll be able to give back and help those that will be struggling uh, next year. And I mentioned that St Vincent de Paul are calling on the government and they want an increase in social welfare of between 50 and 20 euro, euro. Even the one government official said that 20 euro, if they were to give 20 euro a week extra to every single social welfare recipient, it would cost about 3 billion. And they basically said that they couldn't afford it anyway. And that's led then to people saying that why should all the increases go to people on social welfare? What about people who go out to work every day? And some of your thoughts in on that. Uh, Patricia, I totally agree with the person on the social welfare families. Many people living on social welfare actually have more than working uh, families. They get the back to school clothing and footwear allowance. They get their Christmas bonus every year uh, and other benefits. I can understand the disability allowance and I can understand that there are some people who simply can't work. And let's include the pensioners in that. But the majority of people can work Hotels and restaurants are crying out for staff at the moment. Even if you were to only get an extra €20 a week over what you get on uh, social welfare, it's good for you. Remember, work is is actually great for mental health too. It gives you a sense of purpose. People need to come off social welfare payments like job seekers allowance job seekers benefit and go out to work instead is what this listener is saying so if a person has a job and is on social welfare why do they need even more money I work I earn I pay my taxes I don't get a social welfare uh, payment and I have very very little left at the end of the month and actually a number of people are kind of are making are making that point uh, as well that whenever we're talking about cost of living, that people f- seem to forget about the people who are uh, at work, the working poor. How often have we used that phrase, the working poor? And there does seem to be more working poor at the moment. Uh, people who just really can't afford to take out a mortgage, can't afford, struggling to pay their uh, rent. And I was watching Paul Byrne um on Virgin Media yesterday that woman in West Cork was living in a car a single woman living in a car just uh, shocking to, to see a story like that and then I don't know if it was Virgin Media or an RTE a lovely young couple with two children forced out of the home that they're living in they're renting both of them are working but they can't afford a mortgage and there's there is a group of people and I don't know what the figures are how many of them are but there are a cohort of society who are out at work both 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 couples, both in the couple, mother and father, when, for, when they have children, both are out at, at work earning decent enough, reasonably decent enough money. But they earn too much to qualify for social housing, but they don't earn enough to qualify for a mortgage. And they're the ones that are trapped then paying these excessively high rents. They're paying more in rent than they would pay if they were given a mortgage. And I really do feel sorry for those people that squeezed middle that we hear from we hear so much about and, and hear about uh, so many times and Martin says uh, Patricia you spoke with a passion about poverty and, and inflation in the opener of your programme uh, this morning 
we need more educated and compassionate politicians. We seem to be many, not all, some of our politicians, according to Martin, are lacking uh, compassion and empathy. And maybe if they had more compassion and maybe if they had more empathy, they'd be able to identify with with people who are really struggling at the moment. I agree with an earlier caller to your programme, says another texter. Uh, I work 50 hours a week. I am barely surviving and by the way there's no talk of any pay rise or any help but yet all we're hearing about from the likes of St Vincent de Paul and the ESRI yesterday extra money for social welfare it just feels like another kick in the teeth for those of us who do get up and go out to work every day 0818103103 John Paul takes calls text WhatsApp 0862 103103 C103 Jobs now, a person is wanted to load ice cream trucks in Carrick Tool. Applicants must be experienced with driving rigid trucks. A uniform and training will be provided. Email tim.madden at prl.ie. Irish Wheelchair Association, they have a community employment vacancy for an activities assistant for the Black Rock area. CVs, please, to patricia.platt at iwa.ie or call the Irish Wheelchair Association on 087-944-2192. A CE position is available for an outdoor maintenance person. That's for Castle Freak Trails, 085-25-79501. And Lachine's House Homeware and Furniture are recruiting an office administrator and a van driver and a sales assistant for Skibbereen, Clonakilty and Bandon, 86 1721269. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. Don't know if this is an isolated incident or not, but PJ in Canturk has been on to us to say that uh, data for his Vodafone is down in the Canturk area, and he's wondering, is anybody else having problems? Or is it just isolated to where PJ is? In the meantime, we have contacted Vodafone to see if there is a problem in the North Cork area. Was anybody else having problem with data for their Vodafone? Let us know 0818 103 103. Cork County Council have approved plans for work to be carried out at the Ship Pool Bends. That's on the R605. It's the regional road that links Inishannon to Kinsale. Welcoming the news, Fianna Gael Councillor Kevin Murphy, who regularly travels this road, so he knows it well. And Kevin joins me. Good morning to you, Kevin. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, as, as I said in the introduction, you regularly travel this road. Have you witnessed collisions or near misses over the years at this particular spot? I have indeed, and I'm, I'm absolutely delighted that this has got reasonably got true at long last because I've followed this for years and years now. Um, there's been a, a substantial number of, of accidents, some very serious ones, um, and with the growth of either Lily next door to us, um, we find that articulated trucks, HGVs, are finding it very difficult to get, uh, to get uh, around those corners without serious trouble. And I'm right in saying that Eli Lilly, that's the, the US pharmaceutical company, they've been campaigning themselves, haven't they, for several years they have, to, for improvements? They have, and actual fact, I've been, I've been delighted with them because 
Um, they have helped my cause as well. This, this case, I think, I rose, I, I raised this case in about 19... Oh, it was 1995 or 1996, Whoa. I think, at that stage now. So, so long coming comes at last. And a lot of tra- traffic volumes have increased a lot since 1995, Kevin. Big time. And, you know, uh, the other part of it as well, Patricia, is the safety aspect of this uh, got more precarious recently when um, I, I came across um, a car, which in actual fact took the first bend near, near Kinsale and hit a wall, the main wall, uh, dem- demolished the wall, and the car was hanging over about a 30 to 40 foot high cliff. Oh, my God. So the guy involved went through, I'm sure, had, had insurance and tax for a bit on the car, and uh, he absconded. So we don't know what happens there, but uh, that's one very serious one I wonder. He could have been killed. Well, certainly if that fell down, he was definitely killed. Yeah, I've yeah. It, you know? So what, what, so, what? Just for people who don't who don't know this particular uh, place that we're talking about, from what I can gather, the main problem is the narrowness of the roads. Is it? Well, the, the narrowness of the bins. Yeah. And this is what we are after at the moment. The, the two bins themselves, it's a nest hook bend, and they're they're almost together. Uh, the one near Saint Shannon is a very sharp bend, and it gives no chance when an articulate truck, uh, his GV comes around the corner. Uh, it's halfway across, or more than halfway across the white line. And, of course, any car coming down then will have to brake seriously to, to, to avoid that. And I did see several accidents where uh, the car had, in actual fact, um, you know, dragged itself in under the actual body of the truck uh, and had to be pulled out of it because, in actual fact, there was a very serious incident occurred once recently where there's uh, two people inside the car, didn't know the area, and all of a sudden, they were under the truck, and they had to. They yeah, had to we see if the road, if the road is that narrow and it is a, an S hook bend, you've nowhere to go. If you, nowhere you to go. yeah, you've, and yeah. if if a truck, if a, a large HGV truck is going to the middle of the road, I take it two trucks couldn't pass each other. Not a hope. In actual fact, a lot most times if they do meet, or look at meet, they'll have to won't have to back, and that's the danger involved. Really. And what, what, what's proposed, uh, Patricia, for, for both corners is to widen both at this stage and to hatch an area in between. In other words, if it's widened, there'll be a hatched area in between the two, uh, one, one going east, one going north, and one going south, to allow um, some, some uh, safety issue uh, resolved straight away. Because the truck is across the road, but he'd be inside the hatched area, you know, mm-hmm. as such. And uh, it will it will allow him to uh, to avoid any collisions. Definitely, ma- definitely will make it safer. How long? How long do you think the work will take? Well, first of all, um, we've got the part eight over the line, and that was delayed by uh, the EIS, which we had to do, and that's about eight months ago. Um, and that's over the line now. We're not overrule that, and thank God that's it's going through. Uh, we are told then it must go to. Um, I think it must go. <clears throat> about two processes, so, so so to finish it off, one would be uh, tender documents, and the other one would be the contract documents. And they should be they should be finished hopefully by about September, October, hopefully. And we'll be hoping to start. I'm hoping to start uh, before the first of uh, 2023. Okay, so we'll so start in this year. 
We forget about the amount of paperwork that has to be done for these things. It is, and when it's necessary. I know it's necessary, but it just can be so tedious for people at times. And particularly to hear you say you've been fighting for this since 1995. People travelling that road just want it done. They just just want it um, sorted out. And I take it once work commences, people are going to have to be patient. There will be some delays on that road. Well, while the work is ongoing... Um, there may be, there may be uh, more than a traffic light, I'd say. I'm imagining some path that road will be closed for a little while, you know. Yeah. But it's not, it's not a major job, you know. It's not a major, major job as such. It has to be done, and that's all it's told. And, you know, going back along that year, and you know the road very well yourself. Yeah, yeah. Know you are. Um, I did propose, going way back uh, about 15, 10 or 12 years ago, that we would bypass both those cars and go straight through uh, the SO bend and uh, divide the two SO bends totally and go straight up into the, into the main road above. And that was rejected by our engineers locally That's because amazing. it's a gorgeous um, scenic area and you could be, major make a lovely viewing area for the Bandon River as such. Mm. You know? Yeah, it's a pity. That's and that was rejected, unfortunately. Yeah. But anyway, however... Yeah, listen, work, going, work is going to happen and that's the main thing and anything and we can do to improve road absolutely. safety. Now, while we have you on, you, you might be able to help us with this one. Um, Neil in Kinsale contacted us yesterday about the men's toilets next to the tourist office in Kinsale. He described it as a disgrace. What's happening with the men's toilets? Oh, God, we're, we're, that's, that's my, my, my pet project as well. And we have a premises which we're going to and turn into a, you know, a new state-of-the-art toilet. It's, it's um, part of the Pierhead uh, car park next to the bus station. And um, <clears throat> I've been motion down a wee, uh, for uh, next week asking the full update on how soon this will happen because uh, this has been ongoing. And we've been, we've been promised this to come for a long, long time now. And... Um, well, I'm hoping and hope that it'll, this will start moving very quickly now and hope at this stage. We got a, we got the thumbs up for, um, a month ago, but nothing has happened since then, and I'm disappointed with that because uh, we need to get some action and some progress in that pretty quickly, and I'll be hoping to have good news for that uh, next next week. Hopefully. Yeah, because Neil, and Keith Romkin said, but he was making the point that there was Americans in there uh, this week and he said they literally walked in and walked out again he said it was just embarrassing and I mean you know Kinsale gourmet capital of Ireland and you know a lot of tourists go we have to have decent public toilets avail- available for people absolutely uh, now um, the other side of it of course is obviously it's a public toilet and it has been vandalised year in year out now mm. why that should happen I never know but there's damage done water pipes leaking Floors, slippery, all this kind of stuff, and really, it's carelessness. And and a point of it is 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 um, is up to you know a bit silly, silly, stupid things to happen down there, you know. Yeah. But there is a state, there is a, 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 if you like another toilet which is separate to the toilet, and it's it's an individual toilet there by the bus station as well. That can be used fully. That's available, and I know other people notice there. Yeah, maybe people don't know. Maybe if people see uh, well, tours, they the, might direct. Yeah. They might direct them there. Ta- how is the tourist season going? Is it is it starting it's to get busy? It's booming. Is it booming? It's in at the moment. Yeah, the crowds that, that are there, the most of the day and certainly late in the evening, and the crowds are still there. Brilliant, uh, brilliant. But you know, it's, uh, something which we should always welcome as well, uh, Patricia, is that the liners now are coming into Cove and such and Kinsale is one of the mainstays which in actual fact they'll bring, up, bring on about four, five or six, maybe seven buses 
it all in one go every time it stops and it's a, it's of immense benefit to Kinsale uh, and it's, it's as I said to you already the Kinsale town is absolutely flooded with tourists at the moment great. and absolutely delighted to have them there great great and long may that continue Kevin pleasure as always thank you for that you're very welcome. And uh, thanks Thank uh, for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Kinsale-based uh, councillor Kevin Murphy. Okay, still getting examples in of good and bad value. Mike in Bantry. This is now reacting to the piece that I did about the listener who was down in Kerry getting the breakfast and got charged for each uh, item that was on the plate. Two rashers, two euro fifty. Two sausages, two euro fifty. Two fried eggs, three euro fifty. I'm still questioning why the eggs were so expensive. Two slices of toast for two euro. Wouldn't you get a whole slice pan for two euro? And then the cup of tea to wash it all down, two euro fifty. Thirteen euro for the breakfast. He says he won't be going back there again. Mike in Bantry says I had a mini breakfast in O'Connor's restaurant in Bantry. Two sausages, mushrooms, rashers, potato cake, toast. And a pot of tea for one, all for only eight euro. That's good value. There you go, O'Connor's restaurant in uh, Bantry offering good breakfast. And that's that mini breakfast is will be enough to fill you as well. Uh, well done. And then, hi Patricia, I heard you talking about the rising cost of everything. I don't drink or smoke. And even though I don't have much to spare, no thought has ever given to us, the workers. We seem to be hammered with rising costs and with tax to the hilts. My one treat is I like to have a takeaway coffee. I went into an establishment in the city centre, shocked to see that the small takeaway coffee was a whopping three euro and thirty cent. I felt that is a complete rip off. Rip off Ireland is alive and well. Keep up the good work, uh, Patricia. Three euro fifty. I don't know. I can't tell you when I last got a takeaway coffee, so I don't know how much it is. But it's three euro thirty. Is that now kind of a set amount? for a takeaway coffee I don't know 0818 103 103 and Christine in Cork says Patricia it's good that there's a series of these demonstrations going to be held around the country tomorrow people complaining about the cost of living but according to the Cork Independent the Cork one is taking place at Brown Thomas could you clarify I think I said Grand Parade didn't I I did yeah I think it is you are right it is Brown Thomas tomorrow at 2 o'clock glad to clarify that that's from Christine in Cork thank you for that by text to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. The world of entertainment finally back on track. We're trying to do our bit here on the programme to encourage people to attend any local event in your area. So to preview his up and coming show in the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by comedian Mike Morgan. Uh, good morning to you, Mike. Good morning, Patricia. Right. Thanks for having me. And I can't now it was pre-pandemic the last time you sat up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was your pandemic? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the big question. How, I know. How was, how was your pandemic? Because you were really starting to take off as a kid. Yeah, right before the end of the pandemic. No, I, I I won a competition called Show Me the Funny in Ireland, which is like a, a prestigious enough award. Yeah. And literally the next week the pandemic started. So I uh, I won that. I won a thing in Manchester two weeks before the pandemic started and um, that was to get me into the Manchester Comedy Club as well so everything was kind of falling into place getting a couple of breaks and all that kind of stuff and then of course like everybody in my industry I'm sure music, actors, comedians yeah we just the worst time ever for all of us I suppose uh, 
trying to be creative in lockdown was a disaster. Like there was, was a it? there was a lot of Zoom gigs. I did a lot of online Zoom gigs, and yeah. they're just not the same. Like you know, because you're looking at faces. There might be a ten second leg. You don't know they're laughing at you, not laughing at you. That yeah. kind of stuff. Um, the one good thing, all right, that myself and my girlfriend we started um, a kids dramedy class over the pandemic. All right, uh, so in the youth center uh, in Mallow on Tuesdays, uh, we do dramedy with kids. So we started that over the pandemic, being creative. Um, also, I started like TikToks. Like, I don't know, are you familiar with the uh, app yeah, TikToks? Yeah, yeah, but uh, I just started throwing myself into that over the pandemic because there was no audiences. So I built a following up that. I have about 200,000 fans in that. No, all kids, I suppose. But um, yeah, just trying to be creative because it's very good for my mental health to be creative. If I'm not creative, it's not yeah. good, like, you know. And I take it as a comedian. You miss the laughs. Oh, yeah. oh, it's my favourite thing in the world. Like, I would yeah. pay to do comedy. Like, you know, I know I charge for tickets, like, but I would pay people to come. Like, anybody that knows me, even in school, I probably annoyed them, like, but if I can make you laugh, that's the buzz I get. Do yeah. you know, I, I, it's it's my favourite thing in the world, like, you know. And sure, during the pandemic, I'm I'm dropping zingers around the house to my girlfriend and she's not laughing. I was like, I need an audience. I need an audience, like. But, um, yeah, delighted to be getting back into it now and all that. Like I said, the online gigs weren't the same, but to have gigs back is, I never took it for granted at all, no, like, but, um, oh, I'm so happy it's back now, like, yeah, yeah big yeah. time, big and, time. And, and people now... Initially, there was a nervousness, I mm. think, about people going out. That's that's gone. It's kind of it? gone. And I've, what, what I've actually noticed is there's things that are selling out that people don't even know what they're going to. What I, <laughs> like, I, there's a couple of things I haven't even put up posters for. They don't even know who's there. We're just going out. We're sick of being at home for two yeah. years. Let's go out and see it, which is brilliant, which is brilliant. That's exactly what the industry needs and for people to go support it because Ireland's the most... Like, you know, the musicians, the sports stars, like, I think comedians underrated. I think people watch YouTubes and watch Netflix. Go out and see an Irish comic. And yeah. I'm telling you, they're, they're, like, you I can name... You won't regret it. Oh, you won't regret it. Yeah. I can name five off the top of my head that I personally go see, like, even yeah. just, just as a fan, you know? And, uh, yeah, and, and you were, as with all of the entertainment industries, you were the first to close yeah. and the last to go back. Yeah. So, that, I, I, so I, therefore, I, you do need support. You do need support. I, I, I had two comedy clubs up in Cork. I had the Wonky Donkey Comedy Club and I had the McCrone. Comedy Club and they were both flying they were selling out right up towards it then and then after the pandemic we kind of had to make a decision whether to close them or open them again so I've decided to be more selfish do my own shows um, I'm doing a couple of tour uh, a bit of a tour around Ireland now at the moment I have Electric Picnic coming up I'll be on TV next Thursday as well on Virgin Media after Love Island as well doing stand-up so taking a more selfish approach instead of what's going the, booking what's fellas what's the Virgin Media um, it's just me doing stand-up it's, uh, yeah. well not me it'll be me and another five guys from Dublin I'd be the only Cork fella now on it but um, okay. doing stand-up it'll be on Love Island after Love Island next Thursday night on Virgin Media and I'll be doing six minutes of stand-up comedy uh, on that like, like that being more selfish when you own comedy clubs you kind of lose chances whereas when you, you, you're by yourself you can kind of take these chances yourself, exactly yeah. like, are you yeah. watching Love Island? no I'm not watching I watched <laughs> it two years ago and my brain turned to mush so I cannot do it I know Michael Owen's daughter's in it how's yeah, she getting on? Yeah, she's, she's just very young she was born in 2003 Oh, that just frightens like that frightens me like yeah <laughs> and you're being let out on your own um, yeah uh, yeah but it's addictive that's, that's it the is problem it, it is now you also decided to go down the podcast route I did I did so right at the end of the pandemic my two loves anytime I'm in here talking to you Patricia it's about uh, comedy or football you know me I love yeah. I love soccer um, so in New Tupac House many moons ago as well actually they're, they're, we're actually going starting a Boher Celtic thing which is actually linked to the podcast but I, I'll talk about the podcast first sorry um, so so right towards the end of the pandemic, I was bored. Um, again, there was no gigs happening. And I love soccer. I play soccer. I coach soccer. And I said I'd start a soccer podcast. 
and it's called the Cranky Pundit Podcast. If you want to check it out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast, it's just me waking up every morning and complaining for half an hour about soccer players. It is. If it, and and <laughs> listen, I'm I'm impressed because I've listened to it. You do it every day. Every day. Every day. That's a commitment. You, you, you know, during the pandemic, comedians were not very structured. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like I really needed something right. Mike, you need to get up at this time and do this at least, you know, because everything's all over the place during the pandemic. So I made sure to get up every morning, do that. I have a, um, yeah, started making them every day and it's, I love so it. So whatever is news from a soccer, soccer point game. of view, yeah. that's what you were That's what about. I'll talk about. So like th- th- last week now was the Nations League. There was a big yeah. talk about having Stephen Kenny in, Stephen Kenny out. I'm Stephen yeah. Kenny out, by the way. Very, yeah. very, I'm not yeah. on defence at all, right? So I've, I'm fighting with a lot of people last week, which is great banter. I like to have that now. It was yeah. a good bit of banter. Um, yeah, um, all that kind of stuff. I'm actually, because it's the summertime now, I'm kind of moving into other sports. I have an interview with uh, Gary Spike O'Sullivan next week, oh. next Wednesday, the boxer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, a couple of things like that. The NBA finals around this weekend, so I'll be doing NBA stuff, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, sports. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, saying, you know, if you're just doing soccer, you're not coming to the end of the season. We're coming to the end, and we should have a World Cup, Patricia. We should yeah, have a World Cup yeah. this summer, but it's on in Qatar, and we were talking about the weather, so that has to be on in the winter in Qatar. So the summer times, yeah, all different sports. Luckily enough, I've my dad would be American as well, so he'd be well into American sports. So I would have been brought up with American sports, so I would know a bit about basketball, yeah. American football, hockey, horse racing, more sports, but soccer being the main, main and love. you just love to talk about soccer yeah you, yeah, yeah. I love it I, I actually have to stop I, I make sure I do a minimum 22 minutes but sometimes I look at it and I kind of go oh I've gone way over time and yeah. I'm after complaining about this fella how much money he's on why are Liverpool not winning the Champions League but like it's a great way of expressing yourself and uh, yeah I love it I and absolutely then, love it and then you welcome feedback and then you pick up on some of the feedback that pick you up on it people, brilliant which is, yeah. which is great it's very clever yeah. and it is called the Cranky Pundit and it is well worth checking out Thank now you. as you mentioned soccer your real passion tell me about Bohor Celtic football club yeah so as you know I'm from a place called New Two Pot House it's actually the second funniest place name in all of Ireland Where's I believe the first? I think Boris and Osser Boris, Boris and Osser. it's not as funny like no, it's not it's as not. funny anyway no. right so we're number one for the funniest place name New Two Pot House blink and you'll miss it but many moons ago there was a GA team called St. Joseph's and there was a soccer team called Bohor Celtic there used to be two pubs loads of community spirit out there everything all before me and my little brother's time we only hear tales of Bohor Celtic because they folded or they, they ceased to exist due to all country areas are the same yeah they lost like we lost our lost pub players, yeah. exactly we lost we lost people moving to the city moving abroad to Australia uh, our pub is gone our shop is gone and I just really feel after the pandemic that like we don't like in all these rural places we don't really know our neighbours anymore you know and to have that community spirit and the one thing we know football is all the one language the one the one game like that we can all get behind so what me and my brother we went up to the former owner of Bohor Celtic Dermot Rairdon no, uh, uh, there's like 18 Rairdons out in Tupac House and they're all not related to each other so this is Dermot Rairdon and uh, he used to own Bohor Celtic he's given us the pitch for free Great. Just giving us the pitch for free. I'm talking to farmers every day. As you know, I know nothing about farming, but they're telling me the land looks good. And uh, yeah. What so, condition is the pitch in? Uh, I thought it was in a perfect playable condition. Yeah. Uh, two farmers told me that uh, that someone would break their legs. So we have someone. <laughs> <laughs> we're reseeding it and rolling the pitch. We're cutting, uh, putting some stones down. The community's getting involved. Um, we were sponsored a prefab for dressing rooms for free. Um, we like the High B Hotel have backed us as well. Like all Can the I businesses. Ask the obvious question: Have you players? Oh, we players. Or yeah, yeah. Oh, we players. So me and my little brother would have played um, for Mallow up to like 
this season we would have like played in the okay. Munster Senior League I would have played for Cork back in the day as well okay. um, uh, and so my, you're the Ronaldo of New Two Potters you see I, this is, people think I'm setting this up for like a community spirit <laughs> I'm setting this up for selfish reasons right I'm getting 20 goals I'm the captain I take the penalties corners and goal kicks and I'm the manager no no uh, so me and my brother yeah we would have played at a high enough level and uh, but with the mix now so we've a uh, couple of the older boys that used to play for Bohor Celtic okay. that would have been in their early 40s coming they out of retirement coming out of the retirement they're hitting the gym I see them hitting the gym they're mad about it and they're coming back we have a couple of young fellas from Tupac House so it's a nice little mix we've gone into the lowest division in Cork Oh, that'll do. So you've got to start somewhere. Get used to winning, I feel. Because yeah, if we lose uh, a few yeah. games, we'll... Yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll and there's been new housing development out in yeah. Dubot Houses. There's new people. New people. New like, like since we've even... Me and, me and my little brother, Connor, since we started even talking about this, we've met... We have six members of the committee now, all from New Dubot House, fellas I've never met before, living beside me all my life. Brilliant. And Brilliant. Uh, some people living in that new estate. Like, yeah. we, we have a guard on the committee. We've me, comedian. We have a truck driver, a carpenter. Between all of us, we've everything sorted anyway. Well done. Well done. Uh, and yeah. would you open it up to children? eventually yes so this season we'll be starting our season in August it'll have one men's team the next season we'll be looking for like we're applying for grants and all that kind of stuff as well yeah. we'll have a, a kids team like an academy underage team but yeah. we will also have a ladies team an over 18 ladies team there's only nine ladies teams in all of Cork which is a disgrace for me I had a little sister who was very sporty and when it came to 14 she had no team to play with yeah. and she was just as good as shocking. me yeah. Do you know, and, yeah, and um, why not? Why, yeah. why not? Okay, um, and we're nearly out of time, and you haven't even mentioned your gig yet. Okay, oh, yeah. it's at this, and that's what you're here to talk <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. It's the second, second of July. Second so of July is in that the a high, Friday or Saturday? It's a Saturday night. Saturday. Uh, yeah, um, it's a Saturday night in the High B Hotel. Um, we did it a couple of years ago before the pandemic. Yeah. We'd over 250 people at us. We'll try to go for the same again. Um, yeah, it's something I love doing. It's going to be a hilarious show, a brand new show. Um, I'm growing as a person, uh, so my jokes will be growing also and uh, yeah I can't wait to do it I'm and where do you get inspiration for, for material everywhere everywhere yeah yeah constantly thinking even I've three kind of in the back burner now in my head and kind of like it could take a year to develop a joke it could take 10 seconds you never know but you also yeah. won't know till you try it out I know I loved your grand I, I can't get you to repeat it on air because it would be your, your grandfather's story is yeah. just yeah makes me laugh every time I see it on, <laughs> online listen you're, you're, you're just full of energy which is fantastic long may that energy continue Good luck with the Boher Celtic Football Club. Good luck with the cranky pundit and your gig in the High B on the 2nd of July. Pleasure as always to have you in studio. Thank you so much, Thank Patricia. You, You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. From a Eurovision Song Contest point of view, and it's looking like that the Eurovision Song Contest could be held in the UK next year. Now, we know, of course, Ukraine won the competition and they had great hopes that they would be able to stage it. But the organisers who are the European Broadcasting Union, they say, obviously, there are security reasons why it won't be able to take place there. And instead, talks are now underway with the BBC to host the Eurovision Song Contest on behalf of Ukraine next year. And the BBC will be thrilled about that because they have put so much effort in over the last number of years. They are desperate to host Eurovision. And in fairness, they did come second. So it is probably the fairest. I know it was certainly a discussion I was having on the night when Ukraine won and the United Kingdom came second. I I did remember having that conversation with somebody saying, well, if Ukraine are not able to host, then the fairest thing would be to allow the BBC and host it. I'm assuming London, but maybe they might go to Birmingham or Manchester. You don't know. We'll have to wait 
and see. Anyway, those discussions now are ongoing. And if any more breaks on that, we will bring it to you. And then Charlie in Whelan was on to us. And I don't know if this is affecting many other people or will affect many other people going forward. He says there was a number of people went along to the Carberry versus Duhallow game. It was held in Coachford on Tuesday night of this week. But when they arrived to pay their money to go in to see the match, they were told the only way you can gain entry, you must purchase your ticket online first. And obviously these people weren't aware that they needed to book their tickets and pay online uh, first. So people were outside the ground, taking out their phones, trying to get online to buy tickets. Now, Charlie doesn't know. Was it because... The game had already started and then the tickets became unavailable. Or was it something to do with poor mobile reception or 4G, 5G reception in the area? He's unsure, but people simply were not able to log on to the GAA Ticketmaster in order to buy their tickets in order to gain entry. And uh, Charlie reckoned about 25 people ended up having to go home and didn't get in to see the Carberry versus Duhallow game in Coachford last Tuesday. And I don't know, I was asking John Paul and he's unsure, is that is this going to be now common going forward that for the majority of GAA matches, even a local one like that, Carberry versus Duhallow, people are going to have to pre-book their tickets. You're going to have to have them, buy them online. You won't be able to pay at the turnstiles the way you normally do. We'll see if we can find out more about that. But that must have been hugely disappointing for 25p, at least 25 people who turned up to go and see a match only to discover they couldn't they couldn't hand over their cash. They couldn't uh, get in 0818 uh, 103 103. Then a couple of other issues coming into us. Mary in Mallow says she's just walked past the playground near Skull Gubnathon in Mallow and she couldn't get over the amount of rubbish that is scattered around the playground. And she said, you know, children after school will be playing in the playground and now the summer they're coming up and they will be on their holidays and children will be using that playground much more than they're using it at the moment. Why are the council not cleaning up the playground? I'm assuming outdoor staff, the issue we dealt with yesterday with Councillor Paul Hayes, who was talking about the lack of outdoor staff from a West Cork point of view. But I did make that point to Paul yesterday. This isn't just a West Cork issue. This is a problem for the council. They have less and less outdoor staff right across the county. Don't know if it's also the same with the city council, but council staff, the outdoor staff, when they retire, they're not being replaced. And it's the outdoor staff that do all that kind of work, you know, maintain the playgrounds, cutting the grass, cutting the grass in cemeteries and doing all of the outside maintenance work. And that's the reason that we're seeing less and less of that uh, be done. But yeah, it's sad to see a playground where you'll be expecting children to run around and play be full of rubbish. That's from Mary in uh, Mallow. And then John in Dunmanway is a farmer and this is tied in with the cost of living and everything going up in price. He said for years the public were banging the drum about farmers getting too many subsidies from the EU. The farmers get subsidies from the EU so they can produce cheap food which then gets passed on to the consumer. But John reckons that's not happening at the moment and he cites an example uh, in his own case with uh, for his animal feed has doubled in the last year and he hasn't got any additional money in subsidies. If anything, he reckons his subsidies are reducing. So he said if he goes to sell an animal at Mart and he gets €400 Euro for, for it, he said he'll make nothing because it would have cost him €400 Euro just to feed that uh, animal. So he'll make nothing from it He'd just be relying on the subsidies, but they're even reducing. And he said he's a beef farmer. And he said another ongoing 
worry and issue that people should bear in mind is beef farmers like John in Dunman where he reckons are becoming scarce. Food prices will go through the roof. He said if farmers keep leaving the industry and they will with subsidies reduce, reducing then he said everyone's going to end up paying for very expensive food. He said it's a generational issue at the moment because young people coming up do not want to take on the jobs uh, they do not want to take over as beef farmers and farmers are finding their own sons and daughters not interested in going into the industry and he reckons we could have a huge problem with expensive food going forward unless something is done about it. I don't know if he has a solution or not. Is it an increase in subsidies, John? Is that the route that you would want to take? 0818 103 103. And people still reacting to the brawl in the doll yesterday between Pierce Doherty and Leo Varadkar. Eddie said he watched it uh, last night and he said at the end of the day, it was Pierce Doherty for Sinn Féin who started off the row in the doll yesterday. And he said, listening to your programme this morning, you've got people saying throughout the government, they're a disgrace. Just because there was a few home truths spoken by Leo Varadkar yesterday, people are up in arms. He agrees with... Chin Leo Faradkar and uh, Fine Gael, the hypocrisy of Sinn Féin is simply unreal. That's from uh, Eddie. Hi, Patricia. This is on people working throughout the uh, pandemic. Patricia, I think it is unfair for people who are working and worked right throughout the ba- pandemic and they are barely earning enough to get by. They kept the go- country going during our time of uh, need. I have long term illness so therefore can't work at the moment but I think people who went out to work every single day they should be compensated but it works throughout the pandemic and that is signed a regular listener. Thank you for that. I'm an old age pensioner says another texter. I don't get any free fuel. I don't get free electricity allowances. Why? Because I've got family members living with me. Now if I decide to turf my family members out onto the street and they become homeless then I would be entitled to everything because I would be living alone. I don't get any help with heating and by the way a bag of coal 28 euro a bag is what I have been paying for. So somebody said I went to 27. This listener is paying 28 for a bag of coal. Hi Patricia, hope you're keeping well. I am. Thank you very much. Listening to your programme this morning. Okay, I think we are not in a good place at the moment and what worries this listener most is we're heading in for a major recession and could we not all just pull together like people did when I was a child? We lived within our means. We got nothing for nothing. People on social welfare should work like everybody else. Why not? We are all working class people. And as for Leo Varadkar, good on him. It's time he stood up for himself. He's always been the perfect gentleman amongst people who don't seem to understand good manners. So maybe he's trying to reach his opponents at their level instead. There's somebody who watched Leo Varadkar and his message is well done to Leo Varadkar on challenging Piers Doherty yesterday. Okay, and then a couple of other things I touched on the public toilets in Kinsale and uh, uh, Councillor Kevin Murphy saying they're looking at a new toilet. Somebody says a state of the art toilet is not what is needed in Kinsale or indeed anywhere else. 
people need what, what people need at the end of the day they need to spend a penny you need a clean toilet but the problem is a lot of people who use toilets are very careless and they've no respect for anyone and then the add-on to that is whatever about people using it and not having respect we have the vandalism I mean only at the start of the, start of the week I mentioned about the problem in Fomoy wasn't it but their public toilets had to be locked last weekend because of vandalism I mean, how do we get around that and you can't put CCTVs inside in a toilet maybe you could put them outside but I, I don't know how we stop the vandalism it's just senseless absolutely uh, senseless but you are right if people are using public toilets there needs to be a level of respect as well and then a listener says uh, Patricia I had my Covid vaccine shot last May and then I had my booster shot in September why is it taking so long for me to get a second booster they're constantly advertising and indeed they're advertising on this radio station for the over 65s and those who are immune compromised to come forward for their second booster hey what about the rest of us please I'm in my early 50s I'm still going around masked up in every shop. I would like my second booster. There is still, and I keep looking into this because we get similar texts to that almost on a daily basis and I keep looking into it. They still haven't given any timeline for when they're going to give a second booster to the general population. You're right, it's only for over 65s. It's only for people who are immune compromised. My gut instinct tells me that the second booster for the general population will be given out in if, if it gets offered it'll, it'll be September at least I think before they're going to start to offer that and what is looking like they're going to do they're going to start offering the second booster along with a flu jab because by all accounts looking to what's happening in Australia who are currently in their winter there's a very very nasty flu heading our way for next winter so it's going to be more important than ever for people susceptible to flu to make sure that you get your flu vaccine this year 0818 103 103 you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie A Remembrance Mass will be celebrated in Castle Lines uh, Cemetery that's tonight at half past seven People are advised to please come early and bring a chair if required Bingo is on in Mallow GAA Complex 815 Jackpot of 1,500 euro and Kildallery Bingo that's going to be held in the newly renovated old store in the creamery yard doors will open at 7 eyes down from 8 their jackpot is 2,100 euro and there's still the option to play inside or outside in your car Connacilty Camera Club will launch their annual fundraiser for the Air Ambulance tomorrow Saturday half past 7 in the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry members photographs can be viewed and purchased uh, tomorrow night and indeed throughout the display in the round tower and Bella the Butterfly we spoke with Belinda who created the Bella the Butterfly books on the programme late recently they're hosting a free fairy garden party at Schliella in Churchtown it's happening tomorrow 10am to 2pm the day will include the launch of a new fairy garden at Schliella there'll be dancing fairies there'll be a little fairy shop there'll be mindfulness craft activities and there'll also be breathing and meditation for children Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie now I just want to go to the phone lines really quickly because a gentleman by the name of Ryan Vanerkik joins me and this is to do with a rather unusual fundraiser that's going to take place 
police tomorrow morning in Cove. Uh, good, morning, good afternoon to you, Ryan. Uh, hello, hello, how are you? Now, this is to do with the Naval Service in full uniform. What are you doing? Um, hello, so um, we are doing a 33-kilometre walk from Roaches Point uh, to the main promenade in Cove. Um, it's a charity event that we decided to start for Mercy Hospital um, Safari Unit. And the Safari Unit, that's the children's unit, cancer unit, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. It's, um, it's relatively um, new, so we kind of thought anything to kind of give them a little bit of a boost to kind of get the ball rolling for them is, is kind of the least we could do, especially for, uh, for people who, kind of, who need the help the most. And how many members of the Navy will be heading out tomorrow morning? Um, well, there's 25 of our class uh, at the moment, but with um, a few other added extras like our instructors as well. So there will be about another six and then a few other people from the naval base might decide to join us as well. So about 30 odd people will, uh, will be marching. And in full uniform? Yes, we'll be in full uniform. So um, the, again, relatively new um, blue and grey naval service uh, DPMs. Uh, boots, we'll have um, 15 kg on our backs cool. in our backpacks and we have what we have, pack vests, just kind of um, just vests that we can ha- kind of hold uh, water in or uh, if we're on operations, uh, any equipment that we might need. So you're going from to, you're going from Roaches Point to Cove what, what's the distance of that? Uh, it's roughly about 33 kilometres, uh, the route that we've picked out. Um, now obviously Depending on traffic or if there are any hazards or weather, we might have to change it slightly, but it'll, uh, it'll still be about 33 kilometres. Leaving at 6 a.m. in the morning? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should be leaving about 6 a.m. in the morning, and I think we're scheduled to be arriving in Cove for three, half three. You're obviously a very fit bunch. Um, well, yeah, like, uh, that's the, obviously, the benefits of being in the military and the Navy, you're literally being paid to work uh, to train and work out so uh, it does help uh, especially with the course the course would be uh, a demanding kind of physically and mentally so uh, we've had plenty of practice and 15 kg on your back I mean that's a heavy weight to carry uh, it is but again it's a lot of it is down to um, kind of how you hold the pack as well so obviously nice and high on your shoulders, not uh, not affecting your lower back. And like I said, um, we've been training for uh, the past few months, not just for this, but just in, throughout in the general, general course yeah, as well. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, will so you, we're well used to it. Will you have stops along the way? Uh, yes, no, there will be a few water stops. Um, we're all, we all have to carry a minimum of two litres of water on us on top of the weight, but uh, we'll probably get through that. So we will be stopping along the way as well, a few times. Um, just to get some water on and even a little bit of grub. Yeah, you'll need lunch. You need yeah, no, yeah, no, we, we, luckily the Naval Base will be uh, bringing us some lunch, so, uh, so we'll be well fed for it. We'll well be, done. We'll, well be done. Well, to go. well done. And how long are you in the Navy, Ryan? Uh, myself, I'm in the Navy coming up to four years now. So, um, so I'm, uh, I'm still relatively new compared to some of the people on the course, but, uh, but uh, I, it's it's a good job. I um, I was in the fitness industry for about eight years before then, and uh, it's it's definitely a, a new experience that I've really enjoyed. So I hope to kind of keep it going. And you have an interesting surname. Where does the surname come from? Um, well, I'm originally from South Africa, actually. Uh, my father was African, and my mother's Irish. She decided to go there, 
um, and then met my father and then we came back to Ireland in 2000. Okay, alright. Yeah, yeah. I, I can hear just a little bit of an accent now that I, 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 I hear you, you, you speak. But you're loving Navy life. Yes, no, it is. It's very fulfilling. Um, it's, it's tough work, don't get me wrong, but there are definitely uh, perks to it, especially moments like this. Um, I mean, 33 kilometres, it, it sounds like a lot, but again, it's for um, uh, this, the children's unit in Mercy Hospital's Safari unit. Uh, what they go through, what the staff go through, and what their family go through, it's nothing uh, like, you know, it, what we're doing is nothing compared to what they go through. So yeah, it's the well least said, we could do. Well said. And who decided on the cancer unit for the children at the Mercy Hospital? Is there a connection there with the naval base? Um, well, obviously, unfortunately, everyone does have a somewhat um, idea of cancer and uh, everyone knows someone who has it. But yeah, uh, it, sure. was, it was a, more of a group decision in the um, in the class and the instructors. We all decided to kind of go for for the unit again because it's it's local it's Cork but on top of that it is relatively new again um, so we kind of thought you know support them kind of get their name out there kind of start helping uh, start getting them a bit of notoriety again for more support And how can people financially support you, your fundraising efforts? Um, well you can go to our uh, we have a fundraising um, online it's uh, at www.donate.ie forward slash 45th potential NCO fundraiser. Um, we also have a Facebook page. Um, if you just look up um, Naval Service March for Mercy Hospital, um, you should find us um, where we're getting, the page is getting more popular, so you right. might even know someone who likes the page. Okay, so just well, keep well an done. eye out for us. Well done, and we hope you get a fine day. The forecast is, is quite good, and it's not too warm, which is exactly, you don't want it scorching exactly. hot. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Listen, Ryan, good luck to you and the rest of the crew uh, tomorrow. It's a, it's a huge undertaking, and uh, we admire you for it. And uh, thanks for joining us and talking to us about it today. Thank you very much, and I hope to see as many people in Cove as possible. Okay, and cheer them on along the way. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you very much. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That is Ryan Vanikirk, one of the AB Naval Service members uh, who are undertaking that. Uh, that's a really, that's a tough, tough uh, fundraiser to walk that distance, particularly with their full kit on their back. We wish them luck. Keep a lookout for them if you're on the roads uh, tomorrow. I mentioned the Eurovision Song Contest and it's been reported by the European Broadcasting Union that there's discussions going on with the BBC and they will be hosting it in the United Kingdom. Joe reckons should Ireland not be the country to host the Eurovision Song Contest? Bearing in mind, we took in more Ukrainian refugees than the UK. Well, if we're basing it on the number of of refugees that we've taken in then Poland would be the obvious country because they've taken in the most of all of the countries across at Europe Joe and I don't know you'd have to speak to RTE but I don't know how they would feel about hosting the Eurovision Song Contest because it is an expensive contest uh, to host for sure okay quickly back to some uh, thank you for your call some of your Texts coming in, Kieran. This is on the price of a takeaway cup of coffee. When somebody was on earlier, say they were in the city yesterday, their one treat left is a takeaway coffee. Blown away to discover it was three euro thirty 
for what our listener described as a small cup of coffee. Really thought that it was gone very, very expensive. Kieran says, my wife highly rates the coffee from many of the little stores around the country. They have coffee machines at the entrance to most of their shops. And best of all, it's a euro a cup which my wife and I think is really good value. Now, says Kieran, the price may have gone up a little bit since the last time she was there, but the last time she was there, one euro for a cup of coffee, one euro for a cup of co- takeaway coffee is certainly by far the cheapest. I don't know if anybody else can uh, match that. And obviously, they're a German retailer. Even if, even if they're doing it as a lost leader, they can just encourage people in. They can make it up on other items instead, which in fairness, a coffee shop wouldn't be able to do. Teresa, on the tickets, this was on the GAA issue that I raised when Jim from Jim in Charlie, sorry, Charlie, Charlie Whelan contacted us about a number of people who went along to a game. Carberry v. Duhallow in Coachford on Tuesday night. Only to discover you needed to pre-book your tickets and have them paid for online. And then when people tried to go online to do it for whatever reason, maybe it was the fact that the match had started, uh, but the tickets were no longer available. And about 25 people had to go home very, very disappointed. And I was wondering, is this the... Is this going to be the norm now going forward? If you're going to any GAA match, even if it's a local GAA match, you're going to have to book your ticket and buy your ticket on online. And obviously, from a cost-effective point of view, much easier for the GAA if everybody is paying online. Moving, are we not again moving more towards that cashless uh, society? Uh, Teresa said, uh, Patricia, in relation to pre-booking your tickets for GAA games. Teresa said, I think this is really bad form on behalf of the GAA. I know elderly people who can't go to games anymore. A lot of them have no modern mobile phones or credit cards in order to purchase the tickets and they feel it's too much trouble to ask others to get the tickets for them. At the end of the day, the older people are the people who kept the GAA going down through the years. Yeah, many of them built the GAA as well, uh, Teresa. With Sky now showing a lot of the games and now they can't go to their local games the GAA would really want to change this system and take another look at it remember the people who built the GAA thank you for that uh, Teresa hi Patricia there would be oh this is on the cleaning up of the rubbish when a listener said they were out walking this morning and it was the little playground near Skullgubnaton in Mallow couldn't get over the amount of rubbish uh, in the playground and was wondering why the council weren't cleaning it up and I was saying it's possibly due to a lack of outdoor staff. Listener points out there should be no need for the council to have to go and clean up so much rubbish at an area like what your listener described, a playground in Mallow. There should be no need if families took the rubbish home with them. I often go to the playground with my granddaughter. We bring all of our rubbish home with us even the little one now the little granddaughter has got into the habit knows if she has some sweets or crisps or a drink or whatever she's at the playground she'll always bring her rubbish home with you and that's the age isn't it to get them into the habit of doing it she'll grow up as a young girl and into a young lady who will never throw rubbish on the ground Uh, well done to you for for teaching her the right way to do things and just a final text do people take any responsibility anymore just listening to your programme this morning do people really need to leave the toilets in Kinsale in such a mess they wouldn't do it in their own homes also regarding the playground 
similar point why don't parents take the rubbish home with them we seem to be always expecting the council to do all of the work in fairness on the toilets and someone else made that point as well that people need to be responsible when they go in and use public toilets but some of the problems with our public toilets is vandalism it's got nothing to do with people just not being responsible and not keeping a toilet clean it's vandalism and we've got to get to the bottom of that and hi Patricia would you please uh, announce tomorrow night Saturday dancing to Tim Ryan Ultimate Show 9am to 11pm this is in Theo Park and Sunday afternoon half two to half five dancing to Checkers next Wednesday Rambling House starts at half past seven all proceeds going to Theo Park and their building fund Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie this is the Court today replay on C103 Time to enter uh, for the last time our tickets to the Cork Summer Show, a family pass for two adults and four uh, children. All this week we've been asking you a summer-based question in advance of the Cork Summer Show on tomorrow, Saturday, June 18th and Sunday, June 19th. So, last question. Name the 1984 Brian Adams hit that features summer in the title. What's the name of that song? Brian Adams hit from 1984, summer in the title. Uh, answers please by text or WhatsApp only to 0862 103 103 and you could win for yourself a family pass which admits two adults and four children to the summer Cork Summer Show which is a jam-packed family festival and you can check it all out on corksummershow.com Let's get some movie suggestions with Mark Malone Good afternoon to you Mark Hi Patricia And you are welcome now You went along to see the latest Jurassic movie Jurassic World and then another movie called The Contractor Let's start with a trailer from Jurassic World What's happening here? Okay, that's not playing out for some uh, reason. Okay, uh, for some reason our trailer isn't playing out. It's on the hockey, but it's it's not playing out. Okay, Jurassic World. This is um, Jurassic Park. Uh, Jurassic World as opposed to Jurassic Park. Uh, I think there were three Jurassic Park films and now there's three Jurassic World films. Um, So there's two two trilogies, basically. Of the six films, I know I ask you this all the time and it's a bit unfair, but (laughs) how many of the six have you watched? Uh, I've watched a good few of them. I'm a big fan. I love anything to do oh, with right, Jurassic okay. Park. I've always been, I think because all those years ago when I went to the theme park in Florida, I just fell in love yes. with uh, Jurassic Park. So I've seen most of them. I've seen, mo- is, is, oh, the, right. is, the, is this the sixth? Yes. Oh, well, as I okay. say, it's the third It's the third of this particular trilogy. Yeah. I mean, I've had kind of a love-hate relationship with them uh, over the years. Obviously, the first film from Spielberg, you know, is a classic. Uh, the second one I didn't particularly like very much. The third is very short. I remember watching it and I was just, just as the film I thought was kind of getting into gear, it finished. And I remember thinking, well, that's a bit odd. So then along we came with the, the first of this trilogy, Jurassic World, which I kind of liked. There's a lot of nostalgia. I think, uh, you know, feel to it because there were lots of references to Spielberg's first film. Um, the second film was terrible. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I mm. didn't like it at all. And here we have the third, as I say, is the third now of uh, of this particular trilogy. They say it's going to be the last uh, Jurassic Park, We've Jurassic World film. We've heard that before. <laughs> well, it's made something like half a billion dollars worldwide. Money talks. Yeah. So, you know, but what, how it will look or who will be in it, uh, um, we have really no idea. Um, so the thing about the, the thing about the film is that it was it's actually made in England during the lockdown. 
And um, if you remember, I did a, a review to a Joe Dapato film a couple of, uh, some months back where he made this film about the, this film company that's making this um, Jurassic mm. type of dinosaur film yeah. in England. And they're all they're all in a hotel. Well, this is the film that uh, he based it on. This, huh. this is what happened to Jurassic World because they made it during lockdown uh, in England at Pinewood Studios. They used a lot of the old uh, uh, James Bond big, big sets there. And they were all holed up in a hotel. Unfortunately, somebody at some stage did get uh, COVID, so they had to shut down the operation for quite some time. And watching the film, all right, you do get the impression, you wonder just how much of an effect that had on this film, because it really does look like two completely separate films. Some of the CGI is terrific, but some of it is really, really terrible. And it's almost like you wonder, did they run out of time? Did they run out of money? Did they kind of lose interest? And they just thought, okay, look, you know, we'll use that CGI, even though it's not what we want it to be. So we'll just leave it in there. When I say this kind of sounds like, looks like two different films, it looks at sometimes as if it's been directed by two different people, because some of it is really Really, really well directed and some of it isn't and there's also weirdly two storylines going on here and again it was almost like they had a storyline that they were going to run with they then found out that they could get the stars from the three the three stars from the original film they you know they heard obviously they can get sam neill laura dern and jeff goldman back so then they were kind of thinking well how do we fit them into our story they obviously thought well we can't do that so we'll give them their own story in in this film and so that gives it a kind of a very very kind of a disjointed feel uh, it all does tie in at the end. But up until then, it's pretty much two separate films happening at, at, at the same time. Um, so you're constantly kind of being frustrated and thrilled and excited at the same time. Because when it's good, it's really good. There's a there's a wonderful sequence in, in Malta, for example, um, which was really, really exciting. But I'm when I'm watching it, because I knew they made it in England, I knew they made it in Pinewood Studios, I'm thinking, well, none of it is obviously real because it's all done in a big green box using green screens. But in fact, they did go to Malta, which I wish I'd known at the time. Um, but it is a very, very good sequence. But there are also sequences that just don't make any sense whatsoever. And they're very, very poor. The other thing is, I should point out that the dinosaurs here in this film actually are kind of sidelined really because up until now we've uh, in the past couple of movies there are all they've always been hints that the dinosaurs are going to rule the world they're going to rule earth um, they have now been released into the world and now it's going to be man versus dinosaur and that was the impression that a lot of the fans were going to get and they were really looking forward to it but it doesn't actually happen that way and Colin Trevorrow the director said look it's really a thriller is what it is with the um, with the, the sidelining of uh, some of the dinosaurs, um, so in that sense, I was kind of very very disappointed with it. Uh, as far as the three kind of older stars, basically Jeff Goldblum just basically just is is almost like the moral judge of the film, like he was in the first film. He's just constantly telling everybody, "Well, I told you that was going to happen," or you know, if you had listened to me, none of this would have happened. So it's almost like those were you know his contribution to to the whole film. And um, yeah, in the end, it, it was kind of all really, really disappointing. It's very long. It's two and a half hours long. And it does feel like that, too, uh, at times. And so it's such a shame. A lot of people don't like the film. And that's funny because reading a lot of the reviews, a lot of them are saying, look, you know, it should be this, these films should be extinct. And a lot of them, uh, you know, use that phrase to uh, to describe the film. Personally, I mean, I, look, if you're a fan of the series, great. It's PG-13. Keep that in mind, because the previous film, I think, was PG-13. And a lot of parents brought their kids along who were under 13 and thought, look, the kids will love the dinosaurs. Yeah. And they were terrified. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Because small you know, children. And particularly small boys are still massively into dinosaurs so you need to you really do need to keep that in mind this is not for the smallies 
and certainly not. No, and I actually, if you look back into the first film, you know the scene where the guy's sitting on the toilet. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and the T Rex comes in and goes. Uh, just very briefly, the contractor. Should we be watching it or not? Your other movie. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very kind of much like the Born Identity. Uh, very, very good performance in it by uh, Chris Pine, who's uh, is an excellent actor, and uh, he's a special uh, forces operative that uh, kind of goes rogue and uh, up against Kiva Sutherland. It's very exciting. I thought it was very good. And he's very good. And yes, I do recommend it. Worth the watch. Okay, that's the contract. Yeah. That is uh, Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Congratulations to Nora O'Reardon, Bally McKeera, the winner of our final family pass. Two adults, four children to go to the summer show this weekend. And of course, the answer to the question was summer of 69, the 1984 Brian Adams hit that teaches the word summer. That's where I leave you for today and for this week. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and the summer show is on tomorrow, Saturday and again on Sunday. Good luck to all involved. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow-up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.